Good morning and welcome to our second edition of Call Talk. Today the topic is beyond benchmarking. Our host today is uh, Bruce Belfiore of Benchmark Portal. Bruce, take it away. Okay, thank you very much, Sean, and uh, welcome back to Call Talk for everyone. Uh, we really appreciate the enthusiastic feedback from our first session two weeks ago, and we have twice as many people signed up this time, so either all of you are gluttons for punishment or we have a feeling that there really is a need for this kind of regular, informal peer forum that's focused on topics of interest to call center managers. And for those just joining us, uh, you are the ones who choose the topics that we'll talk about, and uh, we bring on experts like uh, Drew Feltz, who I'll introduce in a moment, to talk about these, uh, uh, these issues that are of importance to the call center sector. So since today's subject is beyond benchmarking, this was the uh, top vote-getter from uh, the last session, I just want to mention that before getting beyond benchmarking, you need to do the benchmarking, and uh, BenchmarkPortal.com continues to accept your data for complimentary reality check and personalized readouts. And uh, this, this process opens a lot of eyes and has improved a lot of uh, call centers. So uh, let me introduce Drew Phelps, uh, one of my valued partners in crime since the beginning of this decade. Uh, Drew is a Purdue graduate who is an author, consultant, auditor, and frequent speaker on call center topics and who collaborates with us on a regular basis. Uh, Drew, I'd like to uh, bring it over to you for a moment. Thank you, Bruce. And again, this is Drew Phelps. They call me Dr. Yu sometimes. Um, I've spent the past years actually going out and diving into the numbers, and people said, but what's the definition of the number? What's behind that data? And my specialty is rubbing two numbers together to make money. Um, we're either in a cost-cutting mode today or we're in that revenue growth where we really need to show some ROI. So let me introduce you to our three major themes of today. I call it my three Ds, data, diagnostics, and decisions. So under the data, we're going to start to look at what's critical. What are those magic KPIs and key indicators that really would shake and hum centers from what we're hearing of managers today. If I only had three critical things to measure, what would they be? The next theme will be around diagnostics. Where is that money? How do we really shake the tree? And what would be an immediate cost savings or return on investment of our time and energy and resources? The third D is making a decision. Now, we know that there's root cause analysis. I listened to a great seminar yesterday about who, what, where, when, why. But really, what is a good analysis for change? Where do you really need to take it beyond the benchmark or beyond the metric to get some immediate results? My, my uh, note to you today is to put a pencil in your hand between Bruce, myself, and the thousands of feedbacks that we get from you in call center world. Uh, we have a lot of tips and a lot of techniques to talk about today. So um, let's hand it back and see what uh, Bruce has as his introduction on data, diagnostics, and decisions. Exactly. Okay, and as Drew mentioned, the key point to getting beyond benchmarking is to focus on the metrics that will let you, to, let you take action and, in fact, improve your center, bring up your uh, value to your enterprise, and bring down costs wherever possible without hurting quality. And there's a story that uh, I like to tell. We went into a call center at one point, and uh, there, was, there were these reams of reports, and one report in particular that had a lot of metrics on it that we hadn't really focused on before. So we, we asked somebody, okay, uh, what do you do with this report? And the answer was, well, well, that report is for Dave. 
And we said, okay, well, could we talk to Dave so we could find out what he does with this report and these these metrics? And they sort of looked sheepish, and they said, well, actually, Dave retired five years ago. <laughs> well, what had happened was the uh, entity, had, the, the call center, had continued turning out uh, useless metrics, useless reports for five years after this gentleman had retired. And we're not quite sure what Dave had done with these back when he had gotten them. So one of the things we always uh, encourage you to do is to do spring cleaning. Any season is good for spring cleaning of your reports, uh, a really critical look at your data and your uh, your benchmarking metrics to make sure that you're really doing something that's worthwhile and that is decision-oriented. And, and really that brings to another story, which is uh, we're helping a call center right now create a dashboard for itself, and actually it's two dashboards. One is for the... Um, Agents, the agent level, and another is for the enterprise, for the uh, the, the call center level, and uh, the uh, at the the, uh, the the level of the agent. One of the things that we uh, are very keen on is making sure that you have a balanced scorecard of quality metrics and of uh, quantity or cost-related metrics that are involved here, so that uh, you instill in all of your people the fact that they have to give high quality and they have to do it in an efficient manner, and we as managers are there to help them understand how they can do that. Uh, and in the case of the dashboard at the level of the uh, call center, and here it's very important for management, you start to add some metrics with regard to utilization of your people, so your workforce management uh, kicks in right there. And uh, if, in fact, dashboards are an area where you'd like to have a dig-in at some point, we could have a full session on that. Okay, I'd like to hand it back to uh, Drew for a minute or so, and then we'll open it up to questions. Actually, I'm good to go. So, uh, Sean, is there anybody in the pipeline, or I do have a few here on my table about data. Okay, should I uh, click uh, right here, Sean? We have a question from Jeff. Okay. Hang on just a second. There we go. Jeff, you should be on. Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm from California, and I just had a question uh, in regards to uh, my, at my small center. How do I best control the use of auxiliary or unavailable time? Uh, good one for you, Drew. You know, I, I really just visited the two small centers this summer, actually, and they were under 20 seats, I would say. So uh, let's look at some best practice. Um, the first thing is aux or unavailable or any time that you're really away from your main mission of being a call center agent. So especially in a small center, you notice when one of your 10 people are gone. So it's best practice to set some good business rules. You need to be managing those centers and allocate both your time and your work packages because sometimes they'll rely on your call center to do extra external work as well. Now. This also includes time away from work of taking your calls. So let's look at the uh, use of unavailable time or when people hit that do not disturb function on their phone. That choice must be closely regulated. Um, in the recent feedback, I had a focus group with this small center. There were about 12 agents in the room. And I asked them, if you could look at some metrics, what would be your number one need for change? In other words, by making a decision, what would you measure? And you know what they gave me back, and they voted privately, and I tallied the votes live with them. They said, please measure the attendance and the availability. Because when one or two people are out, 
that puts the burden on the other eight of us. So really take a look at that. From the manager's point of view, to make a change happen, look at your assigned task codes per agent. So if they are pressing the aux button, they can press code 12 because they're on a special project. They can press a code 15 if they're developing some training, which has actually became a reward for this one small center who needed a trainer, but they had their best rep spending a half an hour a week pressing that aux button. They gave it a code, and they said, you're alive just in case you need some calls coming in, but if you need to step away to develop some training, that's your reward system. And then everybody wanted to see their stats in time on phone versus time away from phone. Attendance and availability. Okay. No, that's great input, uh, Drew. And, uh, you know, I think that aux time is one of those misused things that uh, we oftentimes see needs to be looked at very closely by management, and uh, the codes have to be right, the use has to be right, or it can throw other metrics off as well. So thanks for that input. Uh, we'll go to our next caller here, uh, 508 area code. Let me see if I can let you in. Uh, you're on the air. 508-541. Can you hear us? I can hear you, but I don't have a question. Oh, okay. All righty. So the, no problem. And uh, we'll go to 901-252. Let me uh, invite you on there. I don't have a question right now either. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. Um Let's see, Sean, maybe there's something that I'm supposed to be looking for in terms of a hand up. Is that, uh, I'm still getting used to the technology here. So if anyone has a question that they would like to ask, um, what I'll do is I'll open up some mics here and see if we have anybody who does have a question. Please feel free to uh, to jump in. Um, let's see, uh, one of the things that we might ask about in this case has to do with um, the uh, measures that are critical for quality. And, uh, Drew, did you, would you like to talk about that a little bit? In other words, the quality metrics, uh, beyond the data, what are the things that we should be looking for to really reinforce in our call centers? Wow. You know, the biggest word I hear around that is competencies. What competencies or what are those things on your little scorecards and check sheets and uh, monitoring forms and so forth? What are those really key competencies that you want to stress and, and actually hire for, engage when you do quality monitoring, and that are important to your customer so it's good for the business and the agent and the customer? Um, quality is kind of a two-sided coin, though. You know, uh, for years we went around looking at quality in the internal forms and looking from a business sense of, of quality assurance. That would be your business rates. Um, the things that rate there is, are you accurate? And you are, do you have an ability to get and give information? That's the biggest thing about your quality form. I have a good access to that knowledge, and it's accurate knowledge that I'm imparting. And only the business can rate that, unfortunately. But fortunately, they're the ones who set the business rules anyway. So quality does need to be an inside job. Now, you flip that coin over, and you've got quality in the eyes and the ears of the beholder, meaning your caller. And that's external measurement. That's the relationship. That's the resolution. That's the results. They want to see if they got in fast and they got first call resolution. So to align that quality, make sure that you know what those competencies are, make sure that they're really good at building relationships, good at first call resolution, great at knowing where to get that resources um, for knowledge. Um, I have a little test that I do whenever I see a quality form or a customer stack 
form, I say, are you measuring these three things? And it's my ask principle, A-S-K. Measure their attitude, measure their skills, and measure their knowledge. And you've got it made. Okay. No, those are great. Uh, three great uh, points there. And um, so let me just see. There's also a caller from uh, 703. And if anybody who I've mentioned before has come up with a question or a comment, this is really very interactive, and we're happy to have you on, on board. I've got a, a number of mics opened up now and, and would invite you to, uh, uh, to come on board. Um, one of the other things I think that you hear about quite a bit is, you know, how do I set goals? Okay, I've got these benchmarking metrics. How do I go about setting the goals for things like service levels, et cetera? And one of the things that we've found out through the benchmarking we've done and the industry reports that we've done is that one size does not fit all. There are different expectations that people have in different industries. If somebody is calling their health care provider, they will have a different expectation of how soon that call will be answered and uh, how quickly they'll be able to resolve that call than if they call their travel agent or they call their catalog company or something like that. Uh, and so you really do need to understand what the expectations are for your particular industry. So beyond just benchmarking in general, you need to see yourself against your industry so that you know if you're meeting industry standards because those expectations are going to, to be different. Uh, Drew, did you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, speaking of industries, I had a banking industry. It was a mortgage firm about two years ago. And I'll never forget this one. Their average speed of answer, which is what time, from the time that my call engages, do I get to an agent? And they had an 11 seconds, almost 10 seconds speed of answer. And I said, what are you, 911? <laughs> and I said, you know, why? Because you have to spend extra money. That means extra agents are ready, willing, and able to take that call. Um, so they said, well, listen to this. The first thing that that caller asks us, and this was in refinancing days two years ago, the first question was, hi, what are your refinancing rates? So I told them two things. Number one, this is probably not somebody who's banking at our bank. And number two, somebody was shopping for rates. So if I just popped them back an answer of saying, oh, our rates today are 4.32, they're going to say, okay, thank you. I know who somebody else is doing 4.1. So you have to listen to what the, why the caller is calling. You know, that's number one. Now, this is clearly, clearly in a sales environment. I mean, they could have hung up on people that could have been a $500,000 sale, you know, to get a mortgage refinanced. So listen to the industry, listen to what you need, and look at the fact that if you're in sales, the benchmark that I typically see is right around 20 seconds. You know, get to somebody who really wants to make a purchase from you or start that relationship, 20 seconds or less. What the bank actually did then, instead of popping off and just giving the answer in that quick quick turnaround, they actually probed by two questions. What city are you calling from? Um, when is the last time you had an appraisal? You know, or something of that nature to get them engaged. Now, if you're already a customer and you just need service, the second type of call in that bank, it's typically around 30 to 35 seconds that we see in all of our data. Um, because you already have their product, and you just need to know how to, how to use it, for example, or how to when the service is coming, or when something's going to be delivered. You're already engaged with that company, so a 30-second kind of speed of answer is a good gauge target to throw at. Now, if you're in tech support, where you really need some critical information, typically those calls are a little longer. You're willing to hold on a little longer because you're going to get a technical expert at the, by the end, other end of that call. So there the gauge is, uh, the benchmark might be somewhere around 60 seconds. 
Um, I'd like to hear from some of our callers about service levels, speed of answer, time in queue. What are some of your biggest metrics, and what are some of your goals you're setting? Um, the one clear one is truly speed of answer. Okay. No, that's, a, that's great input, and uh, we actually have somebody with a hand up here at 949. Yes. Area code 442, if you're, you're on the air, would you like to uh, contribute? Yes, I would. Okay, if you could just tell us uh, who you are and uh, where you're calling from, that would be great. And your company. My name. And your company. Oh, my name is Crystal. I'm calling from California, from Detroit's Gift Basket. And I was curious, what measures are critical for quality? Okay. Wow. Yeah. First, um, I gave a little angle. You, you have an answer on that one, too? Sure, absolutely. We can uh, sort of go back and forth on that. So with regard to uh, quality, there are certain things that uh, have traditionally been uh, considered important for quality, such as average speed of answer, and uh, because of the fact that people obviously like to get service quickly. However, that's, again, one of those things that you should find out what's important for your industry, because the old 80-20 rule does not necessarily apply to you. And so the way to find out, really, whether it applies to you, there's two ways. One is to benchmark against your industry so that you can see what the industry standard is and whether maybe you have a, uh, a, a level or a goal which is too high or too low compared to your industry peers. And the second and better way of testing it out is if you have really good uh, caller feedback, that is to say a really good caller satisfaction system, uh, caller satisfaction measurement system, so that you can see how satisfied your, your customers are. And um, uh, if you have that kind of real-time feedback, in other words, the kind of system that, uh, for example, either sends out an email immediately after a call or um, sends out a, an IVR call back to the caller who has agreed to take a, uh, a survey, then you can get an idea of how you know, well people are reacting to any changes you might make to your service levels. But there's no doubt that... Uh, you know, the speed of answer, the customer satisfaction itself is the best indication of quality. So if you are not now gathering caller feedback, uh, that's something that you should definitely look into doing. And another one is um, the uh, first call final metric. And that is how many of your calls are resolved on the first call? There's a very high correlation between uh, first time final and caller satisfaction. And then some of the other metrics that are considered in quality include hold time, because obviously people would prefer not to have good, a lot of hold time, and transfers, where your first-level agent is not able to take care of something and therefore has to transfer up to a second-level support person. And uh, looking at these metrics can oftentimes drive you back to processes and, and uh, technology that you have in your center uh, for places where you could improve and, in fact, improve those metrics. Um, Drew, did you have anything to uh, to add to that? Well, you know, um, Crystal, I'm glad you asked that question because actually I did some numbers on this one. Remember I said I was going to rub two numbers together and make money? Um, first call resolution, uh, a bank actually, again, a uh, financial group, they said my first call resolution, as I measure it, is only 62%. They also then looked at almost 38% of it. was I, Then I have to transfer the call somewhere else. Now, you know that a bank is divided in silos, Okay. You dial into your local bank, and I go here for savings, here for checking, here for credit, here for my mortgage, et cetera. So it's typically the case you begin with a general agent, 
and they say, you know, they get a little bit of information from you, and they say, oh, well, let me send you over to uh, the specialist or that correct department. Now, this also happens in health, if you need some kind of a health professional to answer your question, or a technical specialist to really dive into what you need. But let me tell you, if your case, just like that one bank was, they said we have over 30% require a second agent for resolution. Hmm. Now, they patterned their call center just like they patterned their silos. So what they did is they said 30% of our calls need a second agent to resolve. So let's just take, if your cost per call is now doubled for that one transaction. So let's say you got 10,000 calls per month, okay? $5 per call. 10,000 calls get transferred away to a second person. That's $50,000 a month, every single month, or $600,000 a year that you're spending on two agents answering one call. So look at what's behind the metric again. But, you know, it was very interesting because we just sketched this out on a sheet of paper. It's nothing more than business math. It's really doing the analytics and the diagnostics by that one number when they told me first call resolution 62, transfer is 38. Yeah. Uh, Crystal, can, I, can we ask what are the metrics that you're now following for quality in your center? Are you there, Crystal? Okay, maybe we lost her. Okay, she might have fallen off after asking the question. But, yeah, those are great inputs. And um, those who uh, have not done benchmarking with the Purdue system yet, uh, if they do, they'll find that there's a balanced scorecard in which uh, there are specific metrics that are tied to the uh, quality side and others that are tied to the quantity or the cost side. And so we're, uh, we're uh, uh, able to sort of help you out on both of those. Well, quality is basically an experience. I mean, you look at it, you know, we're we're all consumers as well. We all dial 1-800-something, and we know we want that experience to be clean. So that's what makes it an effective and a correct call in our minds. Right. Um, Uh, That's that's key. In other words, there's no better person, too, to tell you what the experience was all about than the customer themselves. That's why we're big advocates of having a, a really good customer or caller satisfaction measurement system so that you can see what the uh, market is actually telling you. So, uh, you know, another couple of uh, thoughts on that, too, is that, uh, again, with the fact that each uh, call center needs to look at its own industry and look at its own uh, base of uh, customers and utilize customer satisfaction to uh, figure out what its metrics should be for quality, there was one uh, call center that I was in not that long ago that had a very unique business model. They actually had the, uh, or they have, the telephone monopoly for people who are in prison. So if you want to call out, if you're a prisoner and want to call out from that prison to your lawyer, to your family, your loved ones, you have to go through this, this company. And people on the outside have to uh, add money to the account so that you can, in fact, do that. Well, as you can imagine, in that case, they weren't as concerned about average speed of answer as Victoria's Secret or some others might be because they were not going to be losing the business. And uh, I have to say that was an interesting engagement. I learned an awful lot of things, some of which uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that knowledge. But (laughs) it was uh, an interesting time. Um, You know, I think one other thing that uh, we have sort of touched upon but needs to be emphasized here is that to go beyond benchmarking, you need to do those financial analyses. And Drew did that, in fact, in what she was just talking about, 
uh, figuring out that $50,000 was being wasted, if I can use that word, on uh, additional uh, up, uh, you know, uh, escalated calls, when in fact, if there were the proper training, if there were the proper knowledge management system and uh, desktop systems, that might be avoidable. So that's one of the things that benchmarking helps you do and uh, is to take a look at those areas that you can improve and then monetize the improvements. Now, let me take another one that we recently did with a client. It had to do with turnover rates. They had much higher turnover of personnel. How many of you have that problem? Okay, raise your hand. <laughs> okay. I can see people throughout the land uh, who have higher turnover rates than they would like to have. Well, have you ever calculated the value of each of the uh, turned over agents. In other words, have you ever taken into account the cost of recruitment, uh, the cost of screening, the cost of uh, training, uh, the cost of nesting, all of these costs that go into uh, bringing an agent on board and then perhaps losing that person a little bit down the road? Well, what is the cost of that and how can you perhaps offset that cost in an analysis against some sort of improvement initiative that might be using a better screening software for screening agents or perhaps more training or perhaps even a slight increase in pay. All of these things can, in fact, be weighed against the uh, turnover rate and the cost of turnover, and so you can determine whether your improvement initiative, whatever it might be, is, in fact, justifiable from an economic point of view. And um, I'll, I'll make a little confession here. I used to be a CFO. Uh, so one of the things that I know those folks are sweating about is, are they, in fact, getting a proper return on the investments that they're making? So there's a couple more thoughts there. And, uh, Drew, do you have any, any other thing that you wanted to add to that? Well, you know, it, your agents are your biggest expense. I mean, that's typically 65%, two-thirds of what you're spending on your call centers. And so you really need to crisp and engaged and etc. So um, how you engage them, how you coach them, once they're even hired in. I had one uh, case kind of going along with that first call resolution experience level. Um, some people were tested at the beginning of using a hold button versus just staying with the agent and being very pleasant during the call time. Now, this one call center, you know, they taught me on new hire training classes. We love to talk, you know, customer services first. Don't worry about your talk time, no problem. So the agent got there on the floor, and she kept saying, I don't know the answer to that. She put him on hold. I don't know the answer to that. Put him on hold. And all the time, she was either doing one of two things. She would have to stop and go, oh, no, where do I find the answer to that? Or tap the person who's sitting in the next cube, again, my two agents, twice as inefficient. Um, so, you know, really, this is a chance to say, I've got a metric out there called hold time either in minutes or in volume, how many times she pressed the hold button. So if you start to look as a supervisor, A, which agent is using it or which person is using most of your hold time. And you need to coach them as they move along. They just think it's a natural practice. Now, you and I as customers on the other end of the phone, however, we know. We hate it when there's dead air time. It's truly dead air. And in most cases, it's up to 60 seconds hold time per call. Now. Here we go. Take your pencils out. Sharpen them up. If 20% of your time during the day is on hold time, on a five-minute call, 20% of a five-minute call, that means a full minute you're away from your caller. 
so look at your screens. Are they sharp? Are they crisp? But is that you know ready and able to go? Um, look at your training. Look at your coaching. Look at your expertise. Have the coaching be what did you learn today? Another quality tip. Tip you know what do you need to know today? So that the next time you get that call, you don't have to put the people on hold. Um, we love customers agree that a live interactive call is best. So beef up that knowledge. Hire for people that can talk and type at the same time and really get some good business solutions so that you're coaching for that change and that great improvement and great experience. Mm -hmm. So help those agents do a good job. Okay, great, great. Well, we're at the end of our half hour here. Wow. I'd like to, yeah, the time just flew. Uh, but I'd like to thank Drew for being on and uh, Sean for uh, setting all of this up and all of the people who are participating in the call. We appreciate that. Last week, or last time, as you recall, we had some problems with the technology. This time the technology worked, and we did have a couple of people call in. We'd love to have more of a conversation, so anyone who calls in the future, uh, please feel free to stay on and discuss the things that we're talking about. We're sort of uh, working our way through this and uh, learning how it works, but I think uh, the response to it in terms of the number of listeners is uh, very encouraging. We're really very happy to be doing this for our community, and uh, we wish you all a really uh, good week and uh, two weeks, and we'll be back. Uh, Sean, are you there? So you can uh, let's see. I guess we'll be back on the 19th of August. And, yep, back uh, on the 19th. And the, the voted topic is uh, the customer's criteria for quality. That was the okay. top voted topic. Um, for good. Today. Oh, good one, good one. Well, thank everybody for uh, participating with that. Uh, May I make an offer here? If anybody wants to send us their quality forms or their customer sat forms, their questionnaires, we'd love to see them. That would give us more to talk about in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Send us to at benchmarkportal.com. Okay. Thank you very well, much, everybody. Have a great today. day. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Be well. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I came from a low-income family that was... That we're struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.